Hey, it's Julie Pilot, and thanks so much for listening to The Idea Fountain. When I first started my podcast about four years ago, every single month I would fill my house with people I love and have a fireside chat with somebody that had changed my life in some way. Now, obviously, with the pandemic, we haven't been able to have house parties, but we've continued on with life-changing conversations. And now, with the vaccine really starting to roll and everybody feeling eligible to get the vaccine starting April 15th, I dream of a day we can all be back together again in person. I know it'll happen soon. Today, I sat down one-on-one with somebody who has been a really big influence on me lately. Uh, I love paying attention to entrepreneurs, and Che Wong is the CEO of Boxed Wholesale, and his company is doing game-changing things when it comes to corporate social responsibility. There's a lot of talk right now about how much corporations pay in taxes, taking a look at the salary of CEOs stacked up next to the average worker, and also the quality of life of people that work at the company. What Shay is doing absolutely blows my mind. As a CEO, he is a complete visionary. Now, this is a new friend of mine, and it all started because our mutual friend, John Levy assigned Che to be my secret Santa in December. And the rest is history. Enjoy. This is the Idea Fountain. Life-changing conversations. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat. This is a definite odd arrangement. We've never had the chance to speak before. I reached out to you asking for a little bit of mentorship. And then I said, can I tape it also from my podcast? Because I thought you would, I just had a feeling you would drop a bunch of gems and why not spread that information even further? So, I mean, I guess to catch everybody up to speed, I'm going to um, give a casual bio for you just to kind of explain how we got connected, but correct me if I'm wrong. So Che, you're the CEO at Boxed and you started out as a lawyer, then worked in video games and then mobile commerce, right? That's right. And you started the company in August of 2013. That's right. Which is amazing because that is also the same year I left working in radio to be a part of a startup at Beats, same month, same year. And Boxed is a membership-free wholesale company, which some people compare to Costco, some people compare to Amazon. Um, And uh, that is your gig. And then you got assigned me as a secret Santa. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Which, which is so funny through John this year, you know, here he's done these dinners and connected people for years and then COVID kicks in and he did it a little bit in, on Zoom, but was really looking for other ways for people to connect. And I just thought that was so fun. And me personally here, I had just gone through the situation where we signed up to foster to adopt and planned on getting one kid. And then there was an emergency and we took his two sisters And so I had three kids and you get me as a secret Santa and you (laughs) sent 
so many boxes of emergency supplies <laughs> <laughs> from paper towels to toilet paper to diapers to food to uh, gloves to sanitary like you know hand wipes everything and yeah. <laughs> I remember showing up at my door and not knowing it was a secret Santa I was like who's moving in <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know if you saw the note that I, I added to it but uh, really um, one I was just so inspired by obviously uh, you fostering uh, uh, and three kids not just one you know um, but also I feel like 2020 is the only year in the history of mankind we're providing people with toilet paper and disinfectant wipes would get a for Christmas and for holidays would get a positive reaction. Yeah. Um, literally <laughs> the only year in modern human history that that is acceptable. So, uh, you know, I just went for it and, and sent you like massive boxes of, of essentials and luckily it was well received. Oh, it was so awesome and so generous. And, you know, my head was exploding. And so what do you do when your head's exploding? You go to Google. Right. And I was like, what's box? Who's this guy? <laughs> and it's so funny as I was digging in, like the first thing that came up again and again were the benefits that your company provides to employees and then how you treat your customers. And then I was finding out more about your product. And also, like I said, just really surprised by how happy you seem. And I, I really just wanted to take this time to talk to you and like dig in deeper on that notion of corporate social responsibility, especially since in my world, I've been so fortunate. I, I know so many dreamers and entrepreneurs who are like starving mm -hmm. artists. And then I also know unicorns. Yep. And I, I don't know that many people in the middle. And I just wanted to hear a little bit about how you do it. So, you know, when you were starting to build Boxed and um, how did you define your, how did you define success for the company when you were starting a new company and how, like where in the priority stack did some of these things that now your company is known for, you know, did you set out to make them a top priority or did it just fall into place? So as you were saying, kind of in the middle, just uh, stuck in the middle with you, has, <laughs> uh, that song was starting to play slowly in the background as my, as my entrance music. Um, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think I would be remiss and I would frankly be, be uh, BSing you if I said, as we started off in the garage with four total people that CSR was our mission and that, um, and that we were going to do, we we're going to sell toilet paper and, uh, and make the world a better place. Um, I think with, uh, at least with me, and I, I sense with a lot of entrepreneurs, you start off day one, starting your own company, because you know why you won't probably want to be your own boss. Um, you want to make some good money and just live the dream a little bit uh, of being your own boss and, 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 and kind of, trying uh, this adventure that is uh, being an entrepreneur. I think for me, uh, as we began to hire folks into our facilities, uh, as we moved out of my garage and into facilities and began to hire folks, I came to the real realization that um, uh, it wasn't about me anymore. Uh, and that um, years later, you wake up and, you know, wanting to be your own, own boss only gets you so many times out of bed in the morning. And after that, it became about how can I do what's right? Um, for all these people that are entrusting kind of their livelihoods uh, in my hands. 
Um, and I had this unfair advantage that growing up kind of uh, uh, disadvantaged and growing up poor um, really informed that view uh, of knowing what it's like to be on the other side of that uh, conversation uh, in working an hourly job and trying to support a family. Um, and so as I came to that realization, that's when all these benefits and that's when really doing right by these folks uh, started to kick in. Um, so again, I, I truly believe every entrepreneur over time has that uh, evolution of if you're lucky enough to run a company for many years, um, I, I, if you survey a thousand uh, CEOs, I'm sure over time, especially the one, the founder CEOs, over time, it becomes more and more about uh, the people around them than about uh, them themselves. Um, I, at least I hope that's the case, really. So maybe I am uh, still a dreamer, but I know that was the, uh, the path that I, that I took. Well, I think it's so interesting. Also, I've heard like really, you know, rough statistics that now in 2021, the average CEO salary is 320 times their average employee, right? And I think that, you know, like you said, a lot of entrepreneurs start out wanting to be their own boss, make a good living. And there's a certain level of competitiveness and wanting to show value, right? How did you get to the place where you prioritize things? Like, I'd love to talk about some of the company perks. I mean, is it true that you pay the college tuition for all of your employees' kids? Yes. Yeah, so we have, uh, so we still do that. So that's a personal policy. So, you know, I take kind of my savings and, and kind of what I've, um, uh, what I've amassed through the years. You know, we, luckily we did have an, uh, a successful company before Box as well. Uh, and that's from, that's Uncle Che. Uh, that is me paying, you know? And so um, this coming semester, uh, so we have three in the, we, now it's almost 10 kids that have gone through the program already. Uh, we have three currently. And then next semester, I think we'll have five uh, going through college. Um, and um, that, I mean, it's a great, uh, great program we have. Um, born out of the realization that um, really education, at least for me and my family, was the way kind of uh, uh, that we bettered uh, kind of our, our lives and, and our American dream. And without education, I wouldn't be here speaking with you. Um, and so for me, uh, prioritizing that for the people that may not be able to afford that or afford the education that they uh, deserve or are uh, have kind of have gotten to uh, or gotten accepted for um, uh, has been a priority of mine. With that said, though, you know, the other programs that we run are actually way more widely adopted and mm -hmm. frankly, probably way more impactful. So free healthcare for folks in the fulfillment centers. Uh, so it's like, you know, zero, like they don't pay any into it. There's a very basic tier that like, there's no reason anyone should be without health insurance if you work for Boxed. Um, so that's one that a lot of people take advantage of. Um, two is even think of like $500 emergency fund that we have. Um, it's a very scary statistic. I think, I don't, I forgot the exact number, but I think the majority um, or a very high portion of the U.S. population could not pay a $500 bill if presented to them with no notice. Um, and so for us, yeah, we don't pay minimum wage around our facilities, but still, if someone has a $500 medical bill or car repair bill, no one should declare bankruptcy or fall behind or decide whether they should pay the bill or put food on the table uh, if you work for Vox as well. So that program is way more impactful and way more people take advantage of something like that. And, and what does that look like? Like, it, again, do you just apply for it if you have an emergency? I mean, I just, yeah, it's that, so funny. Some of these concepts are so foreign. Yeah, exactly. So 
um, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny because we have, you know, I, I love our legal and uh, HR team because they have to then uh, make policies around these things right. that just come out of my mouth randomly at certain times. And so luckily there is a very good policy now. It's like, if you're hit with the bill, what we first have, these are the approved kind of um, different types of uh, buckets of, um, uh, of, of bills. Um, and then also you obviously need the receipts. You have to, you know, and so there's a whole approval process. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing for me that has been very heartwarming is that um, only between 20 to 30% of those eligible have actually drawn down on it. Wow. So in the very beginning, we thought, well, well, people just make up receipts. It's $500 free money that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to call your doctor to say, Hey, is it does someone, so-and-so really owe you 600 bucks yeah. uh, or your auto repair bill. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you build a community of trust, uh, trust, not as a family, but just as, as respect for each other as adults, uh, that people behave uh, as adults. And it's kind of like an all you can eat buffet, because if you just explain it, on paper, it's like, how do people not gorge themselves until they cannot walk out of the, the, the buffet or the restaurant? But people act normal and, and yeah, there's a lot there and there's a lot of benefits, but people act like adults and do so responsibly. And, and that's why we can continue the programs. Well, and it's so amazing too, just that notion of feeling like somebody has your back and is looking out for you when you didn't even ask for it. I had the funniest experience. I can't even believe I'm gonna say this. So a week ago, you know, everything's happening with the Suez Canal being blocked, right? And my partner was like, no shipments are going to get here. Prices are going to go up. Order more toilet paper. Order more paper towels, diapers. Do you need feminine products? And I was like, okay. And so I go and box (laughs) and I order all these things. And then yeah, I knew we were going to speak and you have a really great TED talk, uh, which is overcoming being a micromanager and I'm yeah. listening to it. And in it, you start talking about your policy around the pink tax. And I almost cried. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> I just bought that. Explain this. So again, it's, it's um, trying to do the right thing, right? Like an overlap of these programs aren't totally random. Like the pink tax, um, uh, for example, um, uh, well, actually, just as an ed- education for anyone listening to this out there, if you don't know what it is, you know, 30 plus states still charge sales tax for feminine care products as if they're luxury good items. Where in a lot of those states, condoms and Rogaine are not charged tax because it's their necessities. And so bless whomever like wrote that legisl- legislative bill and, and got that passed because um, anyone who's ever talk- spoken to a woman in the past will never, ever to their face say that with a straight face. Um, So uh, what we do is we rebate that tax back to you. We have to by law collect it, but we rebate it back to you as if you didn't pay it um, uh, in the price. So we discount the price so that with the tax uh, then added, uh, it's as if there was no tax in the end because we discounted the product. There's also the societal pink tax. So a pink razor that costs 40% more than a blue razor, even though both have four or five blades on it, like that doesn't make a lot of sense either. And so for those products, anytime we see a disparity, we also discount it. Um, but what the, what, what, what's most interesting is that um, we don't do so randomly. Like all the programs that we run have something to do with our day jobs. So whether it's because we, we run fulfillment centers and really need to treat employees well in, in order for them to be loyal to the company um, or pink tax, the majority of our customers are women. 
um, and kind of taking a stance uh, on something that we feel should be kind of that we should take a stand on um, and benefiting the majority of our customers. It's also smart business as well uh, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are confused why I'm so obsessed with all of this. But part of the reason is, as somebody that works in the music business, we emailed a little bit. There's been mm -hmm. such a huge transference of wealth from the creators to tech platforms. You know, yeah. thankfully I work at one where everything is paid and I think that more money is going to the artist than anywhere else. But uh, you mentioned also that the same thing is happening with delivery services, right? In that case, the creators, the local restaurants are really being taken advantage of with these absurd, you know, fees, taxes, prices being gouged. How do you think that we can, I mean, is there any way we can shift the mindset of innovation or, you know, just, I don't know, how do, I guess, how do we be more protective or get the word out or encourage people in this direction? I, you know, and I, I struggle with this a lot and kind of where my place is in all of this um, and how I've gotten comfortable with what I do, how we do it and how much that we do is that by showing up and doing what we do, hopefully it provides the world uh, or at least one other entrepreneur with an example of how to do things. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think Box is on a great trajectory. Like we're, we're a decent sized business these days, but I actually hope to inspire the next entrepreneur that's going to build a hundred billion, $200 billion business. Um, uh, and for them to make an even bigger difference than we, we do. Um, and so really kind of inspiring others uh, to carry the torch on and to kind of join in the fight, I think is, at least for me in my little corner of the world, like, you know, before falling asleep at night, that's how I get comfortable uh, uh, to say, hey, I, am I doing my part? Um, I also think we're in this time, it's almost like another industrial revolution where we're starting to see the haves and the have nots. Um, and we need to reckon with, uh, we need to reconcile that as a, as a society. Uh, because that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable that people build businesses that are worth $100 billion on the backs of people that can't pay a bill for $100. Um, and um, uh, I, I, I wish I had an answer for you, Julie, on exactly how we solve that uh, uh, inequality. But, um, but I think it will be through entrepreneurs uh, doing the right thing um, uh, and being inspired, I hope, uh, to do the right thing. Um, I don't know if it eventually becomes legislative in nature. Uh, maybe it will, uh, but at least right now, I know I, I hope it 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 uh, is just inspirational versus legislative. Legislative. And I would guess these things that you're doing that are really making a difference. At the end of the day, are they expensive as people might think? Right? Is it that much of a pain point to the bottom line, or really at the end of the day, what you would trade in making a commercial or something more than pays for it? I, you know, that is something that I, I want everyone to know is that if done right, doing good can be good for business and it can pay off uh, on an ROI basis. So when you first do it, it's hard to make the math work. I'll be the first to, to admit that because you don't have any data on what it's going to do. But the way we treat our facility employees has paid back more than we've ever invested in on that front in these benefits in two main ways. One, on a pure math basis our facilities, some of which are pretty heavily automated, the average tenure of an hourly employee is several years 
Uh, and think about like the average tenure of a fulfillment center employee these days, especially if you work for another company that doesn't treat you as well. It's probably like a few weeks. You know, right. I, I've been reading about some of the big companies turnover rates yearly are 120%. So everyone's new <laughs> uh, over the course of a year. And so what we found is that people are more efficient at their jobs because they specialize in their jobs. And actually, you know, it's, it's worked out like, it, you know, it hasn't like when you do the math, it's like they're becoming more efficient, which is better for our bottom line. And, and we're also giving them more benefits. And so it's worked out that way. But for me and COVID um, uh, throughout this COVID kind of period of the world, um, I feel like I was ultimately vindicated in treating our employees a certain way. Uh, you know, not everyone is, thinks it's a great thing to do on our, from our investors and, 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 and a bunch of other folks that, that uh, haven't been very approving of it. Um, for the most part, investors are, I, I, should, I should note. Um, but when COVID struck, back in like March and April, you didn't know if you're going to be a zombie if you got COVID. No one knew what the hell the thing was and like, was it going to be with you forever? No one knew. And so, yeah, people needed money to, to run their lives. But, you know, making X dollars an hour, some folks are just like, mm, you know, I'd rather stay at home and, and like, you know, good luck at the fulfillment center. And so luckily we had an all hands when I told them, you know, we've always done right by you guys. And I hope you trust us in saying that it's safe. Whatever we can do, uh, we are doing it um, uh, to not only the CDC standards, but above it. Um, and that we're going to be right there with you. Like I was in the facility with them um, uh, during that period. And, but we just need your help to get these packages out for folks who need these things around the country. And for everyone to show up during that time, we didn't have a single kind of day where there was like, oh, an aberration and call outs. People showed up for us and it allowed me to walk into our next kind of, you know, our, our next kind of shareholder meeting, like kind of just saying, well, 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 you know, like looks like that paid off in the end. Um, and so there's things like that that uh, makes me bullish on continuing these things. Wow, I think that's really powerful and something I hadn't thought about, right? Because uh, when you talk about the have and the have nots, the have nots are often victimized, right? But for you as the CEO to walk in to an all hands and say, we really need you. And uh, you be in a vulnerable position. It's like people really want to help. They just often don't know what to do. And for you to be, again, vulnerable enough to say, I really need you to stick with me, it probably made them feel good to know you had their back, but also show up for you. That's right. And if you think about like the companies that have their thumb on, on, on you the entire time when they don't really quote unquote need you, when yeah. they suddenly turn around and say, oh, please, you guys are so important. Come on in. You know, like we need your help. Like, you know, everyone's BS radar is attuned to that kind of stuff. Everyone's like, you know, like, no, no one's dumb enough to believe that shtick. And so luckily we built up that credibility by depositing all these little kind of credits into a piggy bank that we did have to break and draw down upon uh, in the depths of COVID. How do you deal with, as a CEO, the pressure of building a brand in a world where voice is more and more important every single day, right? Especially when it comes to CSR and beliefs and where you stand and Ben and Jerry's is tweeting left and right about, you know, political policies, which, you know, I love the stance they take, but that can be a lot of pressure on the core business, especially when you do have the morality to want to do good. How do you just balance that decision? It's, it's not easy. So I would say first and foremost, um, you know, our policy is always authenticity. So mm -hmm. meaning that 
um, even, you know, with the, um, with the Asian American kind of violence that's going on these days, um, you know, when the shootings happened, I think it was a Thursday. Um, uh, I, 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 we didn't get anything out at least internally, uh, throughout the weekend. So, and I caught a lot of flack for it. Um, but what I told the team is like, I'm a human too. And I can't write something that's inauthentic because people will know that it's just BS. Like I'm still trying to process what happened as a, as, as a person of that group. And it's just, I, I put words on paper and it's just not me right now. And then, and then, so when it became authentic, that's when, you know, um, I was, I was proud to, to write kind of what I did to the rest of the company. Um, but being authentic is something that not just millennials, not just the younger generation or people are uh, very much attuned to. Um, I think when it comes to like how the, the push pull of, uh, how in your face are, are you uh, with your views on the world with your customers? That's also very, very um, a delicate balance. For us, our policy is that we are who we are. And so anywhere on the site, anywhere kind of um, uh, that you're going to shop with us on our social channels, it's fair game. Like, you know, we are who we are. And if you don't accept that, then like there are other kind of places to, to shop as well. Um, but there also is um, a little bit of a line, at least this is my personal, very humble opinion of that. Um, just like a guest, when you invite a dinner guest over, you know, sometimes you don't, you might want to, you might not want to lead with like politics, religion, and a bunch of stuff like, you know, on a, on your first kind of uh, invitation to dinner, you know? Um, uh, and so there is that delicate balance that even we are still trying to strike. So I can't proselytize and say that, like, we're perfect at it. Uh, and this is the exact policy. Because again, we're, we're, we're figuring it out real time. Yeah, well, I love what you said about authenticity and going with your gut, right? And just doing the best you can because the world is changing every single day. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, we're living in a movie. I, I'm, I'm convinced. This is, uh, who, how else can you describe the last 12 months of, of this world? I just, you know, so, you know, let's, I, I think we're just taking a day at a time. I'm sure you are as well, Julie. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, one more question. I just was curious. Um, it seemed like there's synergy between the companies, between um, what Tony Shea did early days of Zappos and what Box does, you know, because uh, you developed a technology and the connection that you have with your employees and your customers, right? I, I was curious. I had the opportunity to meet Tony once and he gave me really good advice from going from corporate to startup. But did you take any inspiration from him or mentorship? And, you know, it's just so interesting at the end of the day, how that story unfolded. You know, it makes me think like more money, more problems sometimes. Yeah. Like very, very sad ending. Yeah. Um, so, um, absolutely took great inspiration from what Tony had built with Zappos. Um, I can't call him a mentor. I wish he was a mentor of mine. Um, you know, when we first started box, I did, we all met with him like two or three times actually in Vegas as he was starting the downtown project. Um, so it was really interesting because, you know, we were already inspired by what he did and then to hear from him and to get kind of nuggets of advice. It was, you know, further inspiration for us to, to kind of carry along kind of that mission of doing what's right for your customers. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I just, it just a very tragic ending um, uh, to a, a very inspirational life, I think. Um, and, you know, one of the first books that I read after we had started the company was, was uh, his book of delivering happiness. And so, 
you know, hanging on to every word uh, of the book was, was kind of what got me through some of the tough times in the early days. So, um, you know, I just, it was just a tough, tough, uh, tough go. Um, and I was probably as shocked as any, everyone else in, in hearing kind of uh, what happened to it. Well, on that note of delivering happiness, I'm going to show you, you two pictures that I'm going to put on social media. One, oh, no. <laughs> this is not the secret Santa. This is actually like yesterday. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Meeting with uh, boxed boxes showing up at my house. And then the second that will look very familiar to you, but of other people. Oh, Here, no. I've actually been in my house <laughs> because oh, no. one of the one of the boxes Chase face is on the inside with a gigantic smile on it. And it says, here's to free time, friends and family. Chase, CEO. And <laughs> I, I, I love that so much. I mean, anything else you want people to know about Box and how you connect and why your customer is important? That would be one question. And then second, I, I'm just curious, anything else you think people should know who are entrepreneurs and starting to start something new? Um, you know, not so much with uh, with uh, just about box. You know, if you ever need toilet paper in bulk or anything else in bulk, uh, hopefully we can be a good home uh, uh, for you to shop at. So I guess that's my that's my best pitch. Uh, prices are great. Um, and you might even get a picture of my ugly mug in your house uh, on a box. So I don't know if that... <laughs> People are going to delete the app because of that, but uh, hopefully it's a benefit. Um, but to everyone listening out there, I think um, uh, for the entrepreneurs, you know, hopefully I there was just a, a little spark of, of man, like, you know, doing what's right can actually matter to the bottom line. Um, and at the same time, you could benefit from actually doing what's right uh, in the world. Um, and then especially for the creators out there that um, it is a very interesting time. I don't have the answer of to that kind of problem we were just talking about, Julie, but it's an answer. Uh, it's a time when anything is possible. It really is. Um, think about the world we live in where, you know, the one of the best professions worldwide was to sell toilet paper online in 2020. So what a crazy world we live in. Um, right. So that means uh, for the creators out there, like if you can dream it, um, uh, there's probably someone out there that's probably dreaming the same thing and you can build it. Um, and so, um, you know, um, I don't have those ideas, but, um, but I know all of you out there do. So, so hopefully you, you, you know, band together and, and kind of, um, make it happen. So, um, it's the only way that, that, uh, that we can all make it kind of a, a better place. Well, that's awesome. I'm really thankful to everything you've done for me. I'm thankful for the inspiration that you're a boss in the game and good person and just, just, you know, so refreshing to be around and hear from and, you know, your happiness and enthusiasm is contagious. So, and also, I mean, seriously, thanks for taking the time. There's so many people that say, uh, you know, they're so busy all the time and it's unbelievable. You know, here, a uh, almost complete stranger reaches out and says, can I ask you some questions? And you sent me <laughs> immediately like 10 times for this week i mean it just really was so generous i appreciate that i'm uh i'm a firm believer in karma so um uh just depositing karma points one day hopefully uh the piggy bank will spill over uh uh with good fortune riches and great thoughts from people that i've helped over the years but um but julie outside of that i just enjoy this so you know i, I feel like we connected uh, as soon as i read about you as soon as i was your secret santa and um 
is the least I can do. And I hope this isn't the the last time that we chat uh, uh, like this. And I'm sure once COVID is over, we'll see each other in person again soon. Yeah, me too. If there's anything I can do for you, if you need a playlist, anything, I've got your back. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Take care. Thanks, Jay. And thanks once again to John Levy, who introduced us. John is a behavioral scientist, and he has a book coming out. It's called You're Invited, The Art and Science of Cultivating Influence. You can pre-order it now, but it's dropping May 11th. John also is going to be a future Idea Fountain guest. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks so much for following us at The Idea Fountain on Instagram. You can always check in by going to my website. It's juliepilot.co. That's J-U-L-I-E-P-I-L-A-T.co. All of the Idea Fountain episodes are available there. You can also shoot me a message. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcast and want to leave a review, that always helps too, okay? I hope everybody is safe, happy, and has a great rest of the month. Uh, I'll talk to you again very soon.